0: Welcome to the Story Night Podcast, a place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder intersects with the story of our lives. A ministry of Calvary Mac. Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Welcome back, ladies, to the Story Night podcast. I am i am already laughing because we have, before even hitting this record button, I've had the best time with my speaker for this episode, and I'm so excited to introduce you to Monique. This is actually the first time that I get to meet her, not exactly face-to-face, Zoom face-to-Zoom face, mm-hmm. but I have heard so much about her and her family. She was a part of the Calvary Mac, or I guess Calvary Chapel at the time, family before or I was part of the family and her reputation precedes her. And everything everybody has said about her has just proven to be so true, even in these few minutes that we've gotten to connect. Monique was supposed to be the speaker for a July live story night event in McMinnville. And with all the changes and the limitations on numbers, we have, we have had to shift gears a bit, we do hope and pray that there will be a time in the near future where we can gather again with two, 300 women. But until that time, we are very grateful for the podcast and so grateful that Monique took time to share her story with us in audio form. So with that, Monique, welcome, and would you introduce yourself to our listeners? Thank you so much. Uh,
1: My name is Monique Godfrey. I am, goodness, I'm married 25 years or something like that. (laughs) I am the mother of I'm going to say it this way cuz it's in my story it'll make more sense. I'm um, mother of two birth children, two adopted children and one foster baby. And I just love to I I lead worship at my church now here in I live in North Carolina. Um Etowah, North Carolina which is near Asheville. And I, what I do for fun is eat candy and play games, and I'm trying to get over that. So forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can keep playing games, right? <laughs> I, I can just just as long as I get my
0: other stuff done. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> just, just cut back on the candy; we'll be fine. <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to be giggling a lot during this podcast.
1: Yes. You got to keep it. You got to keep it real and keep it funny. I love um, it. But I used to live in Oregon, um, like Jessica said, and the reason why I live in, in North Carolina now is I am a national ministry coordinator for Evangelism Explosion, and I lead the children's ministry for them and moved here to work out of the headquarters, which is in Arden, North Carolina. So that's why we live in North Carolina now.
0: Oh, I love it! North Carolina is stunningly beautiful. We we loved oh. driving through there. My family's from Tennessee, so we 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 just yeah. love it. I'm yeah. <laughs> hoping to be in the Smoky Mountains this fall, God willing.
1: Yes. Oh, so, will you please stop by, or yeah. stop by, or we got to get together.
0: <laughs> I would love that. We'll 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 meet at the border. <laughs> <Sounds> good. <laughs> oh, so fun. So, um, Bonique, we have had, uh, you know kind of a crazy world since the middle of march mm. and i want you just you are just exuding joy and you just yeah. have so much to laugh about so much sunshine um coming from you and i wanted to ask how you and your family have been personally during the last f- several months what's what's been going on do you have have there been struggles have there been hidden blessings just let us hear a little bit about what it's been for you for sure there definitely has been struggles
1: and it's I feel like it's kind of miraculous that I'm exuding joy right now because I've definitely been very teary and down and and all of that. My two middle middles, a boy and a girl, six years old and seven years old, kindergarten and first grade. Since the school shut down, we schooled at home and I had planned on homeschooling them. I, I homeschooled my older two from preschool through high school. And so, but you know, it came a bit early. So everything, it just kind of rocked the world. And since we got our foster baby, I was doing more working from home. But now I was schooling from home and working from home. And it just felt kind of wild. I think with the virus, I would be fine with all of them at home. But with the virus, I kind of had that mama bear protection thing come over me. And. I love my church families. I love church people. But I think they had a tendency to kind of get in my bubble, my safety bubble. You know, I'm a rule follower. So when the CDC recommends A, B, and C, then I do A, B, and C to the T. So when people would poo-poo it... Or try to tell me the extremes of why this was absolutely not right thing to do or you shouldn't have to wear the mask or you shouldn't, you know, I should be able to hug you. You know, it it stepped upon my sense of I need to protect my family and my foster child and, you know, and do all of these things the right way. And you are you're getting inside my bubble of protection that I want to keep. And so I felt it very difficult to manage my relationships with people because my mom always apologizes to me because she's a very strong woman and we have control issues. <laughs> so I wanted to control my environment. I wanted to control, you know, if people could approach or not approach or touch the baby or not touch the baby. And it just kept crowding in on me. And I just burst into tears one when- day. <laughs> just like, you know, and so I just I felt so like on edge. And I really realized that through all of this, I have to learn how to let the Lord lead me in these things. And whether you get the virus or don't get the virus or touch people or don't touch people or wear your mask or don't wear your mask, how do you manage your anxiety of those things and fear and faith, anxiety, fear, and faith, I feel like those three things have been swirling in the soup, and you know at the end of the day, what I really realized is to be able to manage all of this change, I really needed to get in the in the word. I decided to pay to post daily scriptures on my iPad when i 'm on there, and then on my on my Apple watch, I can actually super tiny, but I can put scripture on there. So when he, whenever I'm looking at a notification or the time, I can see that scripture and wield the sword because all of the struggles that I thought with people I was having was really just spiritual attacks against what I felt like I needed to protect. And the Lord just wants to protect it for me. So it's been wild.
0: I love how you talked about it being a swirling soup. I think that's such a great metaphor. <laughs> It, it really makes sense. I, I know in, in our house church group, we've been talking a lot about that, where there's there's just so much divisiveness right now. Mm-hmm. And one of precious uh, women in our group just has said, I just have to keep going around. And every time I see something that really is upsetting me by yeah. you know what somebody is doing or not doing or saying or not saying, that she keeps saying to herself, I, I love you more than my opinion. I love you more than my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> We thought we need to get T-shirts made that like that that says "I love you more than I love my opinion."
1: (laughs) That is so good. Oh my! I want that shirt.
0: (laughs) Right? It just. I mean, it just just encompasses everything. Where you know God is saying you were called to love each other. Yes. And there are some really big issues, and there are some really divisive things happening. Ugh. And and you were supposed to be recognized by how we love each other. Oh,
2: yes. So oh my goodness.
0: anyway, on that note, <laughs> right. I'm so excited to hear your story. I I got to see an outline, but I am thrilled and and just so looking forward to hearing the details of it. Just just your life from your childhood into your you know teenage years into marriage and and motherhood and moving and just everything. How your story has been written. So, with that, will you please tell us your life story? Absolutely, it's my pleasure. I was certain I was
1: going to tell Jessica. Oh, Jessica, I'm too busy. I can't do this. You know. <laughs> And the Lord's like, well, just sit down and write the outline and, and you'll surprise yourself, you know? And so I I did. And when I first thought, when I was first asked to do it, I immediately had the topic. The topic is belonging and significance. And I got that topic from taking foster care classes and you learn about how the kids need to have need to have a family to belong to and and feel significant in it. And, you know, my husband and I, we didn't feel like we were just know-it-alls because we have two adult children, 23 and 21. So we took a parenting class called Positive Parenting Solutions, and they talked a lot more about that belonging and significance and gave definition to it. But the reason why I wanted to title my story about that, because I found myself, I feel like. In those definitions. And I was able to put labels on everything that I've gone through and call it what it is like, oh my gosh, that was belonging. That was a lack of belonging. That was significance or a lack of significance. So today I'm going to share my story in those things and and describe to you, man, like now I understand why I did what I did or or why I felt that way. So I'm going to just go back and uh, again, tell you like what I do. I'm a wife, a mother, a foster mom, an adoptive mom, a friend, a sister, a daughter, a cousin, a worship leader, and a national ministry coordinator. And I thought that all of those things would give me significance, would give me the meaning for who I am, what I do, I thought would give me significance for who I am. And so in thinking about that, I looked up in the dictionary online, defined by Merriam Webster, what is belonging? Belonging is close or intimate relationship. And I thought, yep, I'm always looking for that. And significance is the quality of being important. And I'm like, yep, I'm always looking for that. All right. And then in the Positive Parenting Solutions by Amy McCready, she describes belonging as emotionally connected insecure about how he or she fits in the family constellation. All right, that's what my kiddos are going to need. Very good. And then significance she describes as this. I am capable. I make a difference. I contribute in meaningful ways. I have personal power. And then again, I just turned that mirror right on myself and went, whoa, that is literally what I've been <laughs> longing for is that significance?" So in describing my story, I thought I would start with the beginning, who I am and how I came to be in this place today. I grew up in California, Southern California, and my mom raised me from three years old is when her and my dad got divorced. And my mom and my grandmother, who was not married also, uh, my mom and my grandmother lived together. So it was my mom and my brother. So baby brother, myself, I'm three, and then my aunt, who was would have been six, we grew up together. And so I grew up in a house of strong women, which is not a bad thing, but my mom apologizes for it all the time. But in that, we, my brother and I would go for visits with my dad, and he ended up getting remarried. And so he had some stepkids and a wife, and we would uh, go and visit with them. And it just... And he would say this too, it wasn't a super healthy environment for for us. And at one point, it's funny how kids' memories work, but at one point I stopped visiting and I was certain that he stopped calling, that he stopped calling to have us come over and I didn't understand why. Later on, my mom said, no, you stopped wanting to go. I'm all, really? (laughs) That's not how I remember it. I was pretty sure that he stopped calling. And so in my young mind, that started a deep need for significance because you always want to be daddy's little girl. I don't want to jump ahead in the story, but we have now, we have a beautiful relationship, my dad and I do. And so I would have to say that need for significance has been met. But at the time, you know, it builds, it builds you into who you are. You're just what's wrong with me and what's going on. And, you know, even if I did choose to be, if even if I was the one that chose not to visit, you still miss that relationship. You still feel like there's something missing scooting ahead to to being, well, before I get to the teen years, my neighbors, we lived in an apartment called Small World. It was that big of apartments. They called it the Small World Apartments. <laughs> and they took us to church, my, me and my brother and my aunt. And that's when I came to know the Lord. And it just seemed like exactly the right thing to do. And I Prayed, just happened to be at a Calvary Chapel. I thought that was really cool. And so now I can skirt ahead and say, in my teen years in high school, that decision really kind of developed. And okay, so let me say this middle school is the worst time of life, then high school, then elementary. I mean, elementary is not too horrible depending, but middle school is the worst, but high school is the next worst. High school is when I was really trying to find those meaningful relationships and friends. I wanted to belong so bad, but all the groups, I didn't quite fit. I didn't quite fit in any of the groups that I wanted to be a part of. And there was a group of us, let's see, one, two, three, four, about four or five of us. And we were probably, we could say those were my best friends at the time, but I still didn't quite fit in with them. And I would Try and do some of the things they were doing. I tried cursing. I tried to be part of the group by cursing. It just didn't work out. <laughs> it didn't wear. It didn't wear well on me. but the Lord really got a hold of me in in that He said, "You know, if you say you want to follow the Lord, be a Christian, your your life really needs to look different than your friends. And it was like this light bulb that kind of flicked on for me because it, it gave me permission to kind of belong, but be different. And so I sought, I sought out what that would look like and ended up, our family ended up at the Calvary Chapel that I accepted the Lord at. So that was really cool. So in that search, you just kind of teeter along and you're just trying to figure out who you are. I think though, that need for belonging, not having it filled in my friends, which is where I was searching for it at. It just kind of left that little bit of hole, you know, because I didn't know really what it meant to have the Lord fill those types of holes. So it just kind of just that longing was there, that need for belonging just left a longing in my heart. And so now we move forward to the college age years. My stepdad went to college in Oregon and I was thinking, um, okay, I'll go to community college. I went to Cerritos Community College. I'll take these certain classes and I got tired of doing that. And I thought, well, I'll just get a job and make money and get an apartment. My mom's like, no. <laughs> She wanted me to go go to school and she wanted more for me than for herself. She worked her way through college, Candy Striper, she's, you know, L V N R and she, you know, did it the hard way. And so she didn't want that for me. So she said, "Well, if it's being out of the house, why don't you try going away to college?" And all of the big colleges in California scared me. <laughs> I just I would go visit the campuses and they seemed way too huge. So I thought, well, all right, let me try my stepdad's college. So I visited George Fox College and I thought, oh, this, I could walk across campus in a matter of minutes. I think I can make this work. I can do this. So I decided to strike out on my own and be, you know, independent woman like my mom. And so in that sense, that was my pursuit of significance. You know, I could strike out, be my own person and be away from home. And it was nothing for me to leave my family and leave my friends. Like, it was fine. I I was okay with that and broke my mom's heart, but I I did it anyway. (laughs) And so I found myself in Oregon, about 19 years old, in college, trying to figure out then, like, what do you major in? There is so many things I love to do. My mom always told me, whatever you want to do, just do it. You'll be great at it okay, but that gave me no direction whatsoever. And so I tried, I thought, okay, well, I love math, so I'll be a math teacher. And then I went to one of the local, I think it was a high school or junior high, I can't remember which now, and watched a teacher teach a math class. And I thought, no way, those kids are going to eat me alive. I could not do this. So I changed my major from math education to to a math major. And I love to sing and I love music. So I thought I'll do a music minor. Well, no, that was not a good idea. (laughs) I did not take enough music to minor in music. I was completely lost. I tested out of like a calculus class and moved to like calculus two. That was a mistake. I was lost in that class. And so what happened then, and I ended up in this place where I had no clue where I needed to be. I had no clue what direction I should go in and then I started having anxiety attacks and I ended up in the hospital a couple times because I would just kind of have that breathing problem and not be able to get a hold of myself. I just was so directionless and I had no clue what to do. That I feel like was a result of not knowing or not having a grounding in my belonging. I didn't know whose I was and I didn't know how to be anything. And so in the midst of a crowd, I felt the most loneliest I've ever felt. I I could be at church. I could be, I was helping with youth group. I could be doing that and still feel so alone. And it was the worst feeling ever. A lady, a couple I was staying with at the time, uh, one of the ladies, she suggested a book to me called Hind's Feet on High Places by Hannah Hannard. and that if you struggle with any type of anxiety or feeling down feelings and you feel guilty about that, read read that book because it it gives allegories, I think is the right word, but it, it gives personification to those feelings and gives them names and personalities. And I realized it was actually okay that I felt the way that I felt. And so because the guilt of that was gone, then I could deal with the reasons why and then how to kind of treat those things. And so that was awesome. So I decided to fully deal with that. I decided to quit college. So it would have been my, what, third year, maybe second or, it would have been like my third year in college total. But I didn't want to move back to California, which my mom really freaked out about. I decided that since I was on the worship team at church, I wanted to stay there because I had some purpose there. I had some belonging, had some significance with that. And that's when my husband decided to ask me out. I went home to visit for Christmas and I got a call from the lady I was staying with. She was, Guess who called? Woo, Vance called for you. I'm like, what? <laughs> and he said he didn't want to ask me out until he saw that my I had a Volkswagen bug, until my license plate said Oregon. Because then he knew I was staying there. <laughs> I'm like, um, hindsight, if you had totally asked me out in college, I might have stayed in school. <laughs> but but that's how that worked out. And so we met at Calvary Chapel. We got married in 1995, so however many years that is. And then we had two beautiful children, Jeremiah and Priscilla. And I think the most interesting thing is that I felt very blessed to be married and have two children, but there was still something missing. There was still some sort of hole and void That I didn't know how to feel. And I didn't, like, I had those things that I really wanted. And he met, like, as a little girl, I, you know, your dream guy, you write it down on a piece of paper and put it under your pillow. He met all those things. (laughs) And then as far as having children, one was C-section, one was natural. So I had that experience. I had all the things that I thought that I wanted, but there was still something that just seemed to be missing, which is really hard to say because I had this beautiful family, but there it is. And so I got involved with Evangelism Explosion and became their children's ministry coordinator. And so I thought, okay, this is fantastic. I got to travel. I was homeschooling. And so my daughter traveled with me we went to fiji we went i went to uganda she went with me to trinidad and places around the us and it was a lot of fun and it was really great but when she when it was time for her to go to college then she wasn't traveling with me anymore and i traveled by myself worst time ever i went to the bahamas not that should be glorious but i was by myself and i i was miserable and so i thought Okay, now wait a minute. You've got the national ministry, you've got the family. When I moved to North Carolina, I've got the corner office. I always wanted to be a businesswoman with a corner office. I got that. I literally had all the things that I thought I wanted, but I still there there again was that whole thing again. I'm like, what is this? And so in the midst of our moving and transitioning to North Carolina, My husband left a job of almost 20 years, and it was really rough on him, the job that he had uh, at the time. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe he'll be in ministry with me. And that didn't seem to work out. And, And we decided, okay, ministry money doesn't really pay all the bills, so he needs to get a job, and he couldn't find one. He couldn't find one, and he couldn't find one, and he couldn't find one. And he felt like the heel of the lowest low. And I was strong and I prayed for him. And, you know, it was just so hard to watch him struggle and feel so worthless as a man, as a husband, as a provider. And so I don't remember exactly how long his job search went on, but he had to work for a little bit as a cell phone salesperson. He's not a salesperson. He doesn't do sales well, (laughs) but it was like the most humbling experience and it it brought in a few dollars. So he did it. Eventually, he got to get a job in what he knows. you know. He, he works for City of Brevard now. He's the utility supervisor. And now he's doing his thing. But because I stayed so strong for him, when it was finally time for, for that release of, okay, he's good now, I kind of fell into a depression. I kind of fell into this, I don't even know what, like, I know why we're here, but why do I feel this way? you know, and it, it was really kind of one of my dark, dark times. And, and I've had those along the way. And I think we do. But this one seemed to be a really sticky one and it lasted a, a while. We've been in North Carolina, Carolina now for over three years, which the time has flown. But that dark darkness seemed to just kind of stick with me for quite a bit. And I guess I could officially call it a depression And so I think that my personal description of success, so ministry, family, all of those things, it drove my definition of significance, which I think was off. So I'm going to say that now. I think my definition was off. The truth is I had achieved everything on my list of what I would call, you know, success or, okay, I did this, I did that. I'm the businesswoman. I've got the corner office, national ministry. Mom, wife, but um, I hadn't felt so empty inside in in such a long time. Now we'll scoot forward, and a family in our church had asked us if you know their granddaughter was in foster care, and would we possibly you know we we had thought well, maybe we could possibly foster her or adopt her because she was up for adoption. And the current foster family that she had, we didn't know they wanted to adopt her. But we got into this mode of thinking maybe we were going to adopt her. And that totally didn't work out. And hindsight, of course, it didn't work out. This family wanted her and, and should have her, of course. But that I thought, okay, well, that's the end of that story. That didn't work out. We won't even pursue that. And the Lord kind of knocked on my head, knock, knock, knock. No, I just needed to get you started in the process. So we said, okay, we're going to do this. And we talked to our families and said, we're thinking about doing this. And they all said, well, of course you guys talked about that a long time ago. We did. We don't remember talking about that, (laughs) but obviously we did. And Lord said, now it's time. So we took, signed up for and took foster care classes with the state. And after every class we would talk about, okay, so, what kind of age do we want? Okay, we want a baby. Why do we want a baby? Because we think it would be too hard to try and help an older child deal with whatever it is they've dealt with, and uh, we could help an infant much better. Okay, yes, that's what we're going to do. The Lord had other plans. <laughs> so, um, we finished our classes December, uh, no, see, October, November-ish, a couple years ago, and then. January. I get a call. I'm at work. I get a call. Hi, Monique. You said you wanted to adopt, right? Uh, Yeah. Well, we have two siblings who really need a home and, and are probably going to need to be adopted. Really? How old are they? Five and six. Can we do five and six? I don't know if we can do five and six. Oh my gosh, I think we should totally do five and six and And it's so interesting the foster care journey because you say yes before you see them or really know a whole lot. They tell you as much as they can over the phone, and so I quick call my husband, okay, they have to They have a sibling set, boy and girl, five and six. What do you think? I think we should do it? What do you think? Yes, we're gonna do it, and so the whole baby thing went out the window, right? We have a 5 and 6 year old who really need us and they we are a mixed race family, so and they these two children are mixed race and so it just kind of made sense th- in that way, not that that has to be a rule, it doesn't, but they fit so amazingly in our family. Like if anyone saw them right now, you wouldn't even ask us if they were adopted or didn't, you know, I didn't birth them. You would think that they, that they did. And I think for them that's helpful. I won't share their story, but it's, it's a, it's an interesting story. And, um and it's so cool the way the Lord brought us to this point, because being their foster mom now adoptive mom has brought me full circle. And by that, what I'm saying is I was a mom already and I had two little children and I felt like there was something missing or not there or that I needed to do. Now I'm, a uh, a mom to these other two children. And I feel like it's one of the most meaningful things I've ever done. Now, why is that? And it's because these children, and I can say this, had parents who couldn't take care of them for one reason or another. They had a grandparent who could not take care of them for one reason or another. They had a foster family who said they wanted to adopt them and then decided to give up on them for one reason or another. So we were able to be the family for them, to provide them a loving and safe home where they could be who God created them to be. And we have never felt something so significant. And it's and it's so weird to say that because national coordinator of a you know, national ministry and going all these places and, and being in all these churches and helping teachers, what we do is we help teachers learn how to teach children how to share their faith. And so that's very significant. That's very meaningful. And I don't mean to downgrade any of those things that I've done or helping the people that I've helped, but being able to help these two little ones have a grounded place to be where they belong, where they feel significant, where they feel loved. I have not experienced anything like it in my entire life. And it's brought me full circle, I feel like. And so now almost, let's see, we had had them for, well, it was like April. We had, we got them in in January of last year and then about April of last year, we found out that their mom might be pregnant. And so there was this maybe, maybe in the background. But I didn't, you know, I didn't think, okay, well, I'm not going to bank on it because you still don't know what's going to happen, right? And so then about, no, it wasn't about, it was exactly August, not August 17th, but the week before that. So August 10th, it was, we're, we're going to come over, the, the social worker said, we're going to come over so you can... We can sign some more papers towards your adoption of your two. And uh, so they came over and said, "Oh, by the way, there's a newborn baby in the NICU. Do you want to foster this baby?" Yes. <laughs> I hardly let them finish the sentence. Yes, and Vance is going. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's taking deep breaths. But I thought this is this is the baby that I thought we were going to get and it's just such an interesting journey because we needed to have the two siblings and it's it's very like yes absolutely we needed to have them and then we and then we got their brother. And so we're at this stage now with him where he's just been granted um it's just been granted termination of parental rights for abandonment and uh, we're going to start uh, adoption paperwork on him um this next week. So very exciting and very cool because we've had him obviously for almost nine nine ten months yeah almost ten months now so um, you never you never think am I strong I mean you think am I strong enough to be able to have this child and then have to give them back and you are if God says you are and so we knew that that's always a possibility but the fact that we get to keep him is awesome too because we like to provide that same thing for him that we have for his brother and sister. So at this stage of my story, which is brings us right to today, I feel like that I have experienced now the ultimate in belonging. I feel like I understand through the whole parts of all the story that what I missed out on all along the way, and I could have experienced it, was really and truly and fully embracing my purpose in the season of life that I was currently in. And I think where I failed, and I'll just say it that way, even though that sounds harsh, where I failed was always looking for the next thing or what more is there. And instead of embracing and enjoying the moment. So, in a sense, I get a second chance to, to do that. And I'm not going to say it's easy because that would not be true. <laughs> it is very difficult, but there's such joy, right? Happiness is the temporary feeling. Joy is that deep down, even when it's hard feeling. And that is what I have experienced. So I'm going to say in conclusion, I sought to belong in every place I have been and I never seemed to why? Because I was looking in the wrong places. You can't find your belonging outside of your purpose. You can't find your belonging in other people, your spouse, your children, your friends. You can't fill the empty places that the harshness of life creates. And we really need to seek to be whole and healthy individuals mentally and spiritually.
0: Well said. I think those words, uh, belonging, and significance. You could put those words in so many stories. Mm. So many women from different backgrounds, life stages, ages, I mean, you name it. And somewhere those two words pop up. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you touched on so many things. And there were so many points where I know I and probably many listeners sort of just perked up and went, Oh, my gosh, wait, tell me more. Like, I have, a, I have a thousand questions about that one sentence or that one, <laughs> you know, piece of the chapter. And, and, and what else? And, you know, it's just the, the curiosity and, and the interest and just learning about somebody else in their story. As we start to wrap up here, and, you, and you, this has been kind of woven in uh, throughout your story, but are there any words of hope, encouragement, or even advice that you have for women who are listening that are identifying as particularly with those two words, for a variety of reasons, you know, whether these are moms that are going through the foster adoption process, or just kind of trying to find a purpose or having that, that emptiness that they're not able to fully identify. There's so many pieces you you touched on. and, And especially just again, with people turn on the news, and they look outside and and those words, like belonging and significance, I just feel like it's everywhere. Oh, yeah. So I just wanted to, you know, invite you to share a little more on that for those who are listening. Absolutely. I kind of wrote
1: out a life lesson and I feel like this is really what I want to encourage other women with. And it's this, it's it's find your purpose. Find your purpose in the season of life you are in. And no matter what you're doing, single, married, divorced, teenager, college age, boyfriend, no boyfriend, find your purpose in the season of life you're in. Everyone, every woman has one. And whatever it is, it's meaningful. And so don't let anybody tell you that what you're doing or your purpose, what you've you know, found out your purpose is that it's not meaningful because it is. It doesn't have to be complicated, but definitely embrace it. And it may be challenging, but it will be fulfilling if you live your purpose to the fullest. So seek to learn more about yourself. Grow. Develop your skills needed to be a better whatever it is that you're doing. And then whatever you do, just live your life to the fullest. That's, that's what it says in scripture. You know, Christ came to give us life to the full more abundantly john 1010 if you want to look it up and in the life in this world what we are tempted to do is compare ourselves to others we compare our children we compare our looks we compare everything stop doing that and don't let other people do it to you because they will but find your purpose and you just go for it
0: monique that was so beautifully put and I know so many listeners are going to identify with those words of wisdom. And I appreciate you sharing that so much. Mm. I know that, as we've said before, every story has so much more to it than we can fit in a podcast. We know we can't fit it all in here, but we do invite listeners to to reach out if, if there's something that really touched you or if you're wanting to get connected. But we have a little surprise And one of the things that we have not been able to do on the podcast that we do in the live events is the music. And we do miss that, but we are very, very blessed because Monique and her daughter Priscilla have prepared a song so that we get the the musical component of the story night ministry on the podcast. So before they begin, Monique, would you like to maybe explain why you chose this song and and what it means.
1: Absolutely. This
0: song is called Do It Again
1: by Elevation Worship. And it was meaningful for me to pick this song because it it kind of helped describe the different uh, roadblocks that you come to in life, the different ways that you feel like you're running on your path and you just kind of hit a wall. And first few lines, it says, walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall, but you have never failed me yet. And so my story is all about continuing to have hope in the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, and sometimes still hitting a wall. In the Course, it says, your promise still stands, great is your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. And so not just, it's about not giving up. It's not, it's about not giving up on God because he's got the answer. It's, it's us who don't, don't know. We, we're just clueless about how this is supposed to look. And so trusting in the one who already knows, even in the darkest of times, that is where the hope is. And so that's why I wanted to share this
0: song. Well, I am so excited. And with that, we'd like to invite your, your daughter in and hope you all can enjoy the lyrics of this beautiful song. Like you So good to see your faces. I wish all our listeners could see your faces as you as you performed that. Thank you. Oh, and I just I love the line about confidence. Mm. Especially right now I feel like there are so many people that just feel like they've lost their confidence in in yeah, everything. Sure. Well, I, this has been such a treat and with those lyrics in mind and with the heart behind that song. Mm. Would you pray for the listeners? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Lord, I just thank you so much for who you are and what you've done and what you do in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you call us to be who we are in the season we're in, Lord, and that there's a purpose for all of us to be and to uh, grow to be, Lord, who you want us to be. And I just pray that as you are faithful, you would help us to all be faithful to who you want us to be, Lord, and that each person listening today just would be encouraged to grow and to strive and to to be strong, Lord, and to be confident in who they are, Lord, because you have a purpose for them and where they're at in their lives. And there is a reason for the season that they're in. And I just pray that no thing that they do is ever too small for you, Lord. And Thank you for each one of them and, and bless them as they go throughout their week and their month and their year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Monique. And thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for opening your heart. Thank you for sharing your daughter with the singing and the music and just being a part of this. We are so grateful for, for your time. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you were touched and blessed and encouraged by this story. And we hope you'll join us next week for our next story. Good night y'all. The Story Night podcast A Ministry of Calvary Mac. For more women's stories, visit calvarymac.com/women.